Yo, thanks for joining us here at Press Play with Augie and Riz. I'm Augie. Hey, and I'm Riz. This is a weekly podcast where we, two of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, talk about movies, TV, music, or anything we think you guys might like to listen to. You see that subscribe button? Press it. And follow us on Instagram at PressPlayAR. That's PressPlayAR on Instagram. In episode 39, we will talk about the future of cinemas, UK filming studios, that puppet episode of Angel, and we will review that movie, X-Men Apocalypse. That's just the tip of the iceberg on today's show, but stay tuned as Riz lets you know about the DVDs and music that are available now, and find out the fact of the week, and we play Six Degrees of Separation. This week's Six Degrees of Separation is Olivia Munn and Denzel Washington. Let's see if you listeners can... Uh, link those two together. But first, quick news. <laughs> All right, so before we go on, I just want to give out a special shout out and a big happy birthday to my best friend and my soulmate, Miss Brenda Honeybee Gloria Bacanal of the Bacanal Fortune in Las Vegas and also owner of Sugar Tooth Gang. Brenda, I love you very much. We love you very much. And we are so happy that you are a part of our lives. Happy birthday, Brenda. You're one of my favorite people in the world. And I just wish we could, you know, this whole thing wasn't going on so we could spend a little more time. Uh, Absolutely. So on to the show. Uh, California Department of Health has given the thumbs up for TV and film production to resume work on June 12th. Production studios must work under strict guidelines that some people say that might increase uh, 20% in cost, which includes like obvious stuff like social social distancing, mask wearing, and other protocols uh, to help flatten that curve. Yeah. Um, You know, I think they can afford it. They'll be be fine. I mean, I think so, too. Uh, UK was also given the green light to begin production on several movies that were halted back in March. Studios must follow their own guidelines put together by the the British Film Commission and the British Film Institute called, quote-unquote, working safely during COVID-19 in films and high-end TV drama production. The lengthy guideline, which is about almost 40 pages, was okayed by the Department of Culture, Media, and Sports Public Health of England and the Health and Safety Executive. This includes movies uh, and TV shows or TV shows like The Witcher, uh, Disney live action The Little Mermaid that was about to start filming in March but yep. halted, uh, the, Ma- the Batman, oh, I'm sorry, The Batman, uh, which was a quarter in uh, while filming, and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And bring up fantastic piece of where to find them i don't think i'm going to be finding that movie in the theaters absolutely uh, (laughs) when it does finally come out um i've been in a little bit of denial with uh the author of the harry potter books and and the writer of fantastic beast franchise about being transphobic for for some time uh i've been a fan for years and i just have been in denial you know she um, defended someone who was fired for calling someone uh, the incorrect gender. Um, and then she came out with, well, it's it's feminism type thing. I'm allowed to... I will, I will always defend, defend a woman who is being, you know, who isn't being allowed to use her freedom of speech or something like that. Yeah. So yesterday morning, there's a tweet where she retweets someone who's being misogynist. And, and and I'm like, that's well and fine, but where's the double standard? Correct. You know, like, and, and I, and I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm done. I'm, I'm at this point, I'm on following you. I'm done. And then she retweeted. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to that. Oh, okay. I'm gonna okay, get to okay. That. I'm, I'm done. Um, I can't, I can't support you because you're, um, you're, you're a hypocrite. Um, and then people, the the crappy part about it is that when people call her out in anything, whether it be this transgender issue or somebody who doesn't align with her views, it's always the, I don't care. I have your money. That's her, her, her defense well, all the time. Well, I was, uh, I, I got a lot of Harry Potter nerds very upset with me because she, you know, 
they don't want to see it. Just like I didn't want to see it, they don't want to see it, or they agree with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up playing around in the mud and, on Twitter and basically calling people out and cussing them out. And I don't care. You know, a lot of freaking transphobes hate me, and I take that as a badge of honor because they're they're trash. And it shows who you really are. And then later in the day... I guess I made the right choice because she tweeted something just awful. Uh, her, she decided to defend herself as being a turf, which I had never heard before, which is a trans exclusionary woman's rights activist. Yes. Anything with exclusion, like in your title, why would you use that as as a, a badge of honor? It was a, an article that she retweeted saying, uh, talked about how to help. Um, menstruating people and then she goes people I'm sure there's a word for that and then she tried she purposely uh, misspelled women like as if she that name that word was lost and that wasn't the point and a lot of people and a lot of celebrities uh, wasn't happy with her her doubling down on that stuff and then she turns around and she goes i love trans people apparently you you fucking don't the trans people don't love you and uh, they definitely don't love like you. trans like just extremely insane stuff and and then turning around and calling anyone who said any against anything against her uh misogynist people and it's like i don't you know or she's like i don't include trans people as women but that's my my feminism. It's like, all right, so you can go do that, but you can also go fuck off, and you know, and take the heat too, you know. Exactly. So it's not like you, you know, you're you're stating your your opinion, which is disgusting and gross. But then when we state ours, it's like, oh no, you can't. You're being anti-feminist or anti-woman and all that stuff. It's like, no. I called out a lot of transphobic bullshit because, you know, to to sit there and say that trans people living their lives makes you less of a woman literally what she says or means that she's less of a woman or her rights are less than is the same thing they say about us to say that trans people aren't trans because they can't menstruate is the same thing as saying that two gay people can't get married because they can't have kids or or women who or, or or cisgender women who cannot menstruate at all how many cisgender women out there who are having yeah. that that issue that they can't menstruate um so honestly after being a fan for so many years i am just devastated and hurt you know she's not the person who who i thought she was and i'm not going to be going and selling my dvds or books or anything like that but i'm not i refuse to to support her in the future um, unless something changes and she is, um, a very, um, she's very set in her ways. So I, well, I'm not going to bother with continuing with fantastic beast. She lost me as a fan. And, uh, like I said in my tweets, all of her, her transphobic fans can fuck right off. Thank you very much. And moving on to some really good news, <laughs> uh, Marvel news on Disney plus. WandaVision is set to resume filming next month when word got out that Paul Bettany had to cancel a Comic-Con in Tampa after being asked to return to work for the series back to L.A. The show has been working on post-production things since the two-and-a-half-month hiatus due to the coronavirus. Um, And apparently the filming is pretty much done, but they're being sent back to do some additional filming and reshoots. Um, And speaking of... Of WandaVision. Yeah, there was a, a pretty big casting uh, casting reveal or casting announcement. Evan Peters, who has signed on to WandaVision in an undisclosed role. But if, if you know, all of us remember, Evan Peters played Quicksilver in the X-Men, Sony's X-Men Fox. universe. Fox X-Men. Oh, excuse me. Fox's X-Men universe. While uh, the other guy played him in uh, the Avengers universe. Uh, Jonathan. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Aaron Taylor Johnson. uh, And Quicksilver is Scarlet Witch's sister. Brother. (laughs) Brother. (laughs) Well, you know. Who knows? Yeah. Um, But is is there going to be like a, a... 
uh, multiverse crossover here? I mean, with the movie of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and having Wanda, uh, Wanda Maximus as a key character in that movie, I wouldn't be surprised if this would be a fantastic introduction to X-Men. Um, it would be kind of like odd to have them be brought from from another universe instead of having the X-Men already there. But then you have I'd to ask pref- yourself... I prefer to bring the other people over. Exactly. I mean, I, I, know, I know it's odd, but... Like, you know. where were the X-Men during the Avengers and In the other Civil universe. War? So, I guess it, 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 to fit the narrative, I understand. Um, but apparently, WandaVision will be like a mental fuck for her. Uh, takes place in 1950s, where she paints this cookie-cutter image of her life with Vision... And slowly but surely, the people around her are starting to th- to figure out that things aren't what they appear to be. Um, and we are very, very, very excited when uh, to see that. When does this start? It is going to... They still... St- Planning by the beginning of next year? Yes. Also, Loki and Falcon and the Winter Soldier is set to return filming as well in July. And uh, to answer your question, WandaVision is still set for its original release for September, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier is set for its original December release. Uh, On the bright side, also, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier has already a season two. Oh, it's already been renewed. Fantastic. Uh, Yeah, I couldn't find the words. So, uh, pretty cool. We'll see how... uh, all that turns out because, according to Kevin Feige, uh, he says that in order to understand Phase 5, you have to watch all of these shows. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> so it's going to be a weird uh, visual and uh, weird visual ride, I guess, to see how, how it all, all turns out. Yeah. I rolled my eyes there because, you know, it's just to sell Disney Plus subscriptions, you know? I guess. And I'm sure they're going to connect everything, but... You know, they're they're going to be making money hand over fist no matter what. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the National Association of Theater Owners has stated that they expect that around ninety percent of the world's cinema will reopen in time for Christopher Nolan's next film, Tenet, which has a budget of two hundred million dollars, and they're expecting and hoping to cross that one billion dollar mark in order for it to be considered a successful film. Um, it is going to originally release for July 17th, and it would be the first theatrical film to be released since March. Uh, and everyone from movie going fans like us to studios are looking toward to this movie to see what the next move in the industry will make. Um, that would be really interesting. Are they going to like, they're just opening theaters up and that's the only movie they're going to be showing or are the other movies showing as well i don't know that's a great question uh i really don't know if there's any other i know after that wonder woman is in august maybe they'll they'll like have like theatrical um viewings of the scoob movie and stuff that went straight to um over this time strength straight to on demand over this time now that you mention on demand uh the Candyman movie is going to do a la troll which is going to release theatrical and video on demand at the same time it's the same release i think it's on september yeah but that's what they're planning on that's it's, on it's doing. that's the new normal uh unfortunately and the movie theaters may not like it, but I don't think it matters anymore because AMC is about to get shut down. Yeah. So Netflix is eventually going to own that. Amazon Prime will, will probably own another another chain of theaters. And, and uh, that's what Amazon is planning to buy the Egyptian theater in LA, <coughs> but not for like I don't think it's being used for like movie theaters, but more as like a opening theater for like Netflix movies or galas and things like that. Man's Chinese uh, theater, I believe is what it's called. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and talking about theaters, Cinemarks uh, is suggesting that they're not uh, forcing movie go- goers to wear masks when they open. Um, All right. So we're not going to that one. Well, you know, <laughs> if you, <laughs> what, it's, a, it's an Egyptian themed, uh, uh, what do you call it? The one by our house? Yeah, yeah. it's that one. You that can, one's a Cinemark. 
get a, a virus while you're there, an ancient virus. So hopefully, like, with all this stuff that's going on, we can start slowly going to movie theaters and make and and make a day out of it like like what we used to. And I hope theaters individually, you know, take the proper precaution to to help keep their moviegoers safe and healthy. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to seeing Tenet. I'm looking forward to returning to the theaters. I didn't see purposely. Uh, I know when we started this podcast, we, used, we usually review trailers. Uh, trailers. But I didn't see the second trailer for Tenet because I don't want to know anything about it. I'm getting a little trailer phobic. Me too. Um, we'll Just see. give me the first trailer and that's yeah, it. You yeah. know? They give I'm too fine much with away. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll keep you informed with all this movie stuff going on. And uh, if you guys know anything in your neighborhood, any individual movie goer or movie theaters, uh, just let us know. We will travel. So, <laughs> the Rona and us. Oh. So, what's new with the coronavirus? Well, um, here in Miami... Uh, the beaches are not open because uh, the mayor decides that it has some sort of ties with the protest that is going on. Um, well, he said that the uh, he just doesn't want it to go out to the to the beaches. Well, that and the the staff required to make sure people are social distancing is the same staff that would be volunteering or, or or going out and making sure that everything is is peaceful at these protests. So it's like a double shift type thing that he doesn't want to overwork people, I guess. Which makes sense, I guess. That part I understand, mm-hmm. but yeah. I don't yeah. really understand. Like at this point I think he's he's delaying it on purpose again or he's using using it as an excuse because we there we've had you know, several days where there hasn't been a major incident of, of looting or anything like that. Um, Thanks so really, yeah. at this point, he's probably just, oh, I'm just going to wait until... Because it was supposed to be Monday the 3rd, July, June 3rd, mm-hmm. um, that the beaches were supposed to open. And then he, he switched it when he put the curfew. He's like, as long as there's a curfew, the beaches will be closed. Uh, so I think it's probably going to be next Monday. So it doesn't open on a weekend or whatever. We did go to Denny's, uh, which was our first restaurant that we went to since it opened because we're nerds and we're dorks because we celebrate our month anniversary every at month. Denny's. At Denny's. Except the, the yearly one. We, we we go somewhere a little nicer. Yeah. And I think out of uh, the almost six years that we've been together, we've only missed twice. Yeah, uh, one was when we went to DC Pride. Mm-hmm. And the other one was when we went to New York to see your brother, that the closest Denny's was like two and a half hours out of the city. Yeah, there's no Denny's in New York. <laughs> there's no Denny's I mean, inside New York City. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but we we're still, you know, self quarantining as much as we can and going to stores as minimal uh, time as we can, only for the necessity and watching uh, shows, including. Uh, Shit's Creek, which I have grown to love that show. We just finished watching season five, yeah. uh, the ending of Cabaret, which was uh, bittersweet because we saw Danny and Patrick being engaged and Stevie uh, looking around. And as she puts it, she sees everyone growing and she's just there and her performing maybe this time by Liza Minnelli in Cabaret resonate that and I think she felt it too and I just gotta say I love the actress she's uh Emily Hampshire she's Canadian she's fantastic she's awesome and I feel like Stevie is a type of girl that I I would be hanging out with in high school yeah I they they did such a good job with with every single character you can like pick out any character and find out except for for Roland. <laughs> like, he's just kind of obnoxious, but I, I love the actor. But every single character has, like, something that you love about them. Yes, um, yes. And I, I love Stevie. I love that they gave her gave her this to do. I love that she's kind of become a surrogate child to 
to the to couple, to Moira Mo- and and John. Yeah, you know, I think they think of her as a daughter. Yes, especially I, when. Yeah, I hope they 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 extend on that because Moira Mo- Mo- hearing that her heart was broken decided to give her this role. You know what I mean? Yes. Out of nowhere, which I'm like, this is gonna be interesting. You know what I mean? And she kind of took her under her crow wings. <laughs> <laughs> To teach her all this stuff. And you can tell that uh, Stevie does love Johnny in a different in a different way that like friends love each other. Or like father daughter. Exactly. Because when Johnny was in the hospital for being overworked, uh, she was like freaking out. And then uh, David decided to go on this picnic hike and um, Alexis. Yeah, they Went never somewhere really. Else. They, well, she was in town, and they said that they were going to text her, but they never really like expanded why she never showed up. Well, th- because uh, Mora doesn't have her daughter's number. <laughs> no, well, but Stevie's like, I'll text her. Like, oh I yeah, yeah, it. that's right, that's and nothing right. ever happened. <laughs> I don't baby. know what was going there. Um, going on there. Uh, we don't have the channel that airs um, Shit's Creek, and then we know that it is. Uh, there is one last season left, which we're looking forward to. I hope they expand on on Stevie and um, you know give her more to do uh, and give I'm her excited. closure. I'm excited. Give to, her growth. You know to watch the final season. It's yeah. she's had like really that first season. She was so one note. You know she was. I, I know you didn't watch most of the first season. No. Um, but she was very one note and she, it was like, she was kind of like sarcastic to David. She was there to be like David's go-to, but she was like, oh, so you don't like the towels. Well, I'm going to go down and fluff every, like be very sarcastic, fluff every single one of them for you or, you know, and he'd be like, okay, that's great. Thank you very much. I'll see you soon. Yeah, it's, it's great. But, and by the end of that season, um, like she basically had her heart broken and you saw like her her humanity mm. because she thought that that she was going to have a relationship with David and when she found out that it he wasn't interested it was interested in friendship you can see like I'll show you that episode in that scene you could see her heart break in it mm. and from Aww. there they I think they've just done a really good job with her storyline awesome moving right along all right, guys. <laughs> I don't know where to begin in this. Uh, okay, well, there's an episode. Yeah, you do it. You do it. Okay, we, we, we talked about the 100th episode of Angel. Which was bittersweet. Very bittersweet. Beautiful episode. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's it's the series finale for me. Um, so then there were two episodes, a Nazi submarine episode followed by everyone's like literally everyone's favorite episode of angel and i fucking hated it when it aired and and i've tried to give it another chance so many times and it's i just fucking hate it it's the puppet episode yeah apparently like kids started dying not dying like uh becoming weak and fainting in front of the television and um Angel finds out that, you know, hey, why don't we check out this, like, studio to see, you know, what the fuck is going on. And then um, Angel finds, like, this huge, like, metallic egg in a basement. And he get blasted away, like, from, like, this force that comes out of the metallic eggs into, like, a bunch of of boxes and as the camera is zooming into the box cuz it's that that cinematography shot is so cliche i'm already screaming like no no <laughs> no and they turned angel into a damn fucking puppet and the first thing i said was this is not the essence of angel and coming from someone that i really didn't like angel and i grew to like it and i'm like this is not what angel is all about and it was just so out of place. Hokey. Hokey. It and, w- and I can appreciate, you know, today I watched it and I'm like, there were some cute parts. And it's it's a cute episode. And I laughed at certain what parts. What cute parts? The, the, um, the gigantic um, puppet with the, the, the honk. honk nose. He was funny. <laughs> and, you know, 
not enough weight for me. Cussing puppets. But it, it, like you said, it's not Angel. And that's what's kind of disgusting about the episode for me. This would be a fantastic episode, I think I told you, of Charmed. Because Charmed did stupid shit like this. It was ridiculous. I felt like the writers had no idea what, what, what to do. And it was just so out of touch. It was. It didn't fit well with with Angel's story. Angel as as the show as a whole. It just didn't fit. And I just and, and didn't have a point, good time watching it. That didn't fit. And I still don't don't see how Spike fits into anything. And at this point, I think they've just fucking given up trying to explain why he's still there. It's just like, well, you know, he's, he's just kind of hanging around because he's afraid to go see Buffy or something. I know. And then it's like Angel gives him the, like this, the 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 resources for him to just travel the world and get out. And he decides not to. Or in other words, Joss Whedon decided not to. And it, I, I don't understand. Every cool shot of Angel like walking in and out of, 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 of the office or out of an elevator or, you know, those cool prep action scenes, it's now with Spike, Spike next to him. It's the Angel and Spike show. And it's just like, it was it, this season. I'm. And we did watch the next episode in which uh, Fred fell ill. Uh, due to mummy, mummy powder. Um... And we're going to watch the, the second part of that today. Will, I mean, is she really dead? We'll see. Who knows? Um, but uh, I think this is, you know, this is a good storyline. And uh, we have to finish it. It does, you know, I think it, it does end well. There's only one episode that I'm dreading to watch that's left uh, called The Girl in Question. I... I, I want to pull my fucking hair out thinking about that episode. But that's it. It's it's pretty good. As much as I don't understand and like the fact that Spike is there, I really don't understand why Lauren is there. I feel like he is kind of more of a wasted character than Spike is. Because at least you can link Spike to Angel and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But Lauren is just like in a scene for a couple of seconds because he has PR shit to do and then he leaves and that's it. And then the only reason why he was in the Fred and Mummy episode was because it was more of like a friendship group thing that, you know, poor Fred is ill. Everyone got to come together. I would have liked, or I think I would have been okay if Spike would have been there, but then remove Lorne and put Cordelia. You understand? Because he's not like, I don't understand his purpose in the show. The thing about... Uh, Lauren and Andy Hallett is he was a recurring character since season two and uh, when season four came along they weren't sure that they were going to get picked up for another season mm -hmm. so the for like the final five episodes they decided to up Andy Hallett as a series regular but once you're a series regular you can't just come in and out like a recurring character anymore like you know people are like why isn't he there? He's like, he's supposed to be a main character. Yes. And that's basically, they're still treating him like a recurring character who doesn't really have any storyline. And honestly, I honestly barely noticed the first time I watched it. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't, don't understand his role in but, season five anymore. But you know, Andy Hallett was fantastic. Uh, and rest in peace. Yeah. Rest in peace, buddy. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and we'll be right back with X-Men Apocalypse Review. Woohoo! I got to pee. And we are back. So we rewatched uh, X-Men Apocalypse, which is the 11th or 12th movie, including the, the Wolverine movies yeah. in the, X -Men, the, the Fox X-Men franchise. It was originally released May 27, 2016. The budget was 178 million and the worldwide gross was 543 million. Directed by Brian Singer, the cast included James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence, Oscar Isaacs, Nicholas Holt, Rose Byrne, Evan Peters, Sophie Turner, Ty Sheridan, Alexandra Shipp, Cody Schmidt McPhee, Olivia Munn, Ben Hardy, and Lucas Till with Lana Kander. Condor. Condor. Who is Lana Condor? Jubilee. 
Oh yeah, well we we included her because they didn't they give did a it. shit about her. <laughs> basically, the synopsis was. In the 1980s, the X-Men must defeat an ancient, all-powerful mutant named Ansaba Nur, also known as Apocalypse, whose intent to bring destruction of the modern world using the ideology ideology of survival of the fittest. That's very Darwinism. I think he was the one who who created that that survival of the fittest uh, hmm. theology or theory or whatever. Um, um, so this movie uh, followed my favorite X-Men movie, Days of Future Past. Or not... Followed, but loosely... Yeah. Loosely. Um, it was actually the first X-Men movie that you and I saw together in mm-hmm. the theater. And we... At Cinemark. At Cinemark, which is Egyptian-themed. <laughs> and this movie, you know, Apocalypse... It begins in Egypt, right? In Cairo, yeah. So we, we had it all, all all freaking planned out. It was pretty God, cool. we're nerds. <laughs> and proud of it. And we went with your nephews, with Cammie and, and Michael. Or was, was it that it, time? Or was it a no, where, when my wallet fell? Remember? And you went out we went. That it? was something. That was very sweet. That was another movie. Oh, never we, mind. Yeah, we didn't see. Uh, I, I remember going to Cinemark with them. And uh, you're like, my wallet, my wallet. And you're like, it's probably just like in the car somewhere. I'm like, I'm going to go freaking make sure. It was pouring down rain. I went out my in the hero. rain. And his wallet is sitting in the in the water next to his door outside. And, yeah. I just didn't want to go back. I'll get it some other time. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the movie starts off with the uh, creation of Apocalypse and uh, how, you know, some of the Egyptian uh, troops were planning a plot against to trap Apocalypse inside the pyramid. And they succeeded, but at the same time, they didn't because one of the Force Horsemen uh, encased him in, like, this protection shield so the rocks and boulders wouldn't fall. And then he stayed there until the 1980s came and he was uh, revived by some uh, modern followers. Right. Um, Um, And then here is where we get introduced to the uh, classic Holy Trinity of X-Men, which is Jean Grey, Cyclops, and Storm. Um, Holy Trinity? Uh, I thought it was a quadrilogy with Beast. I mean, we already we were already introduced to him with him, uh, but the original four, what were they again? Well, in the comics? Yeah. It was five. It was Angel, Beast, Cyclops, Jean Grey, and Iceman. And this would be the... Would this... No, this wouldn't be the only movie with all five of them in it, right? No, because we're missing Iceman in this movie. Ah, damn, they were so close. But yeah, so we... What do you think of the movie as a whole? I think it was very long-winded. It was entertaining, but knowing where they were going, I felt like they just took freaking forever to get to, like, point A to point B. I thought that everything with Magneto and his family was fantastic and brilliantly acted. That was th- ad-libbed when when he screams out, uh, is this what you want from me? Really? That was all him. He was fantastic. Uh, I think I, it bugged me a little bit because I knew that they had to... They had to like in like make him enraged in order to go and join up with Apocalypse. Yeah. It, it sucked to watch that happen, um, but it was it was beautiful. It was beautiful scenes like that alone was just gorgeous. I have to agree with you. Uh, his story arc in this movie was super well planned, super thought out, um, and well acted. Uh, that whole scene in the woods with his family was heartbreaking. And um, let me ask you something. Uh, in the comics, is that daughter? Is there there a certain character based on that daughter, or that she was based on that there, talked to animals or something? Yes, yes. I want to say yes, um, but I don't know a lot of the details about it. Um, and I don't know if in the comics she is actually alive or she right. died. But I feel like there is another daughter somewhere that isn't uh, Wanda or 
or Lorna, aka Polaris. Lorna is uh, the little sister of the other two, or no? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Correct. That was in first class. Yeah, she had a, a cameo in first first class. So then uh, they realize that Apocalypse is out there, and they must get together now here's one thing that really bugs me and i really want to spend some time talking about this and i know a lot of x-men uh fans or x-men movie fans are really 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 uh not understanding this concept is jennifer lawrence raven slash mystique now in the beginning of the movie with uh mystique's story arc you see her in germany uh arriving to this fight club and she is in human form uh, which I understand that part because at this time in the timeline, she is re- reveled as a hero yes. um, due to what happened back then. And I understand she's in disguise. So she goes, she saves um, Miss uh, Nightcrawler um, to take him back to to the mansion or not take him back, but to take him to the mansion uh, as a safe haven but when she gets to the mansion she doesn't change to mystique this mutant who puffed up her chest as you know saying mutant and proud and she learned that she has to be herself yet she's in this safe haven school where she can be herself but they still don't have her as mystique the other scenes include also her conversation with hank mccoy where he says that famous line in the movie the world needs the x-men she's still not blue when she is being captured or when she got captured by striker and is moved to alkali lake uh you see that hank turns blue because he's not using his serum which uh, uh, talking about hank too why is he not fully blue either? either is he still insecure I don't I I, I I think it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. So in that same scene while Hank turns blue, she's still Mystique human. is blue, but then oh. she turns human. Huh. And I just don't understand that. So throughout that whole scene, she's human. And then when they steal the the helipad to go to Cairo when uh James McAvoy or Professor X goes into uh Jean Grey's mind to tell her to tell her that he's in Cairo, she's in that 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 uniform, she's still Mystique. I mean, I'm sorry, she's still Raven. And it all comes to those comments that Jennifer Lawrence says that she just didn't want to be in blue costume. And it just I wish they just recast. Felt so lazy and it, it catered more to her than to the story than line. to the storyline and you said something that i i agree with you on is that this would have been the perfect movie for her to transition to rebecca romaine yes because yes. in the comics mystique changed so much that she doesn't know who she is she forgot her own identity for her changing so much so why not just advance her her human form into someone else that she she gets to, but it doesn't even matter because I'm so glad her character dies uh, in the next movie. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. alert. <laughs> um, my uh, my main issue, are you done with, with your ranting? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> my, another thing I want to talk about is poor Lana Condor. Lana Condor uh, plays Jubilee, and this was her first major film ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she did the Netflix show... To all the boys I love, right. I love you, and right. and they did a second season. She's doing very very well. Super talented, super pretty, pretty girl. Um, they go to the mall with her, and then when they get back, where they again used Quicksilver's super fast fast scene, which I felt like it it it, it, it was played out. You know, like it was cool the first movie. I felt like it was cringeworthy. Because, yeah. Uh, and the whole moving the stuff to the side. It was cringeworthy. It was the same like, thing. They, they did this already. And not only that, they made it a point to to say that he has to hold people in the back of the neck so they don't get whiplash. And he didn't do that with any of these people. Any of those students at all. So back to Jubilee, when they get back from the mall and they see that the mansion is destroyed, out of nowhere, Jean Grey, Cyclops, and Nightcrawler all of a sudden has amnesia and just leaves her. And like they just 
don't Juba who? acknowledges her. Juba what? <laughs> they don't acknowledge her. And I felt like they could have used her as well to go to Alkali Lake and continue with them. Fans of and the of the nineties uh cartoon that introduced a lot of people to X Men and which introduced Jubilee to the world. Jubilee was have, the eyes to the the yeah. intro of X-Men for the 90s cartoon. It was our eyes to that. Right. Have been wanting so long for this character to come to film. And they were so excited that she would be in this. I know because I'm sitting next to one of them. And your <laughs> disappointment with it, I could feel. I, I, I wasn't that into the X-Men 90s cartoon. Um but I was very much into the movies and and saw every single one in the theater and in you know in in um and I still will. Uh, but I understand that frustration. And another, oh, go ahead. No, no, because you always try to like question, and I try to give a justification to everything. Yeah. But there's one thing that I really couldn't uh, justify. <laughs> um, in the end of first class. Uh, Logan gets thrown to the Potomac River in Washington, D.C. by Magneto, and he almost drowns. Um, and at the end of the movie, it is Mystique disguised as Stryker who retrieves him. And then, he's at, and then he or she, in this case, says, oh, I know a place where he can go. Don't worry. I got this. But in Apocalypse, he's in Alkali Lake under the real Stryker's... Uh, Hold, and they never explain how did that happen either, or how was that transition? Yeah, um, what the hell happened with Rogue and and Mystique? Or Mystique? I'm so sorry, and with Wolverine. Mystique and Wolverine. Uh, and why couldn't they just have the real Striker in the end of First Class be the one to capture him? That makes more sense. It, it's it's they didn't have it planned out. It they, was they a lot of empty setups. A lot of em- yes, and I noticed so many empty setups in this movie as well that that will never will never see payoffs. It sucks. Uh, a major thing are you done with with that rant as well? For now, <laughs> for now. A major thing for me was the decision to like starting with first class have every episode, I mean every movie 10 years apart. Um, that's all fine and good. The first one was in the early 1960s, followed by 1973, and then 1983. That's 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 a great years. idea. It's great. It's 20 years, but these motherfuckers have not aged 20 years. They barely aged two years. I, oops, sorry if you heard that. I touched the mic. I I understand uh, where you're coming from. I could only defend mutants and not uh, human without powers because. Mutants do age slower than... Okay, and I understand that. But then you look Mara, at Ma- Maura, Maura McTaggart, McTaggart, Rose Byrne's character, and... She's got to she, be late 50s at this point. She looks like she de-aged. Yeah. <laughs> because she was, like... Let's say she was in her late 20s in the first one. I mean, I'm sorry. She was probably 30. The actor was probably in her 30s. So she would be early... Like, late 40s, early 50s at this point. And she, you know... They didn't age at all. Um, at all. I think they made a huge mistake with that. I that, also don't like the fact that it was Apocalypse that turned Storm's hair white. She was originally have white hair. That she she's a goddess. And my friend Kyle from Oklahoma says, "Oh, that's Apocalypse's power. His powers are makeovers." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his his four Apocalypse or his four Horsemen of the Apocalypse did look pretty fab. They look, well, they look, they look cool. fierce. They're just hanging out, standing there while while he's torturing uh, Professor all <laughs> Professor that time, X, and they're just standing there with their time. hands on their hips in these insane costumes. And I'm like, I understand the conversation between Apocalypse and Professor Xavier. That type of conversation has happened because it's the villain, the main villain, and the main good guy discussing what is the future and how to handle this. But they all that time they could have spent like. Fighting the X Men, uh, but no, they were just standing on the rocks there, and and it was just fucking silly because Apocalypse's power, also he can change his body into mm. like different type of guns, shields. He can turn his arm into a fucking tank if he wants to, and it was just so depowered, completely. Looking at Sophie Turner's Jean Grey again, I was really not impressed. 
and I love me Sophie Turner. Turner. I yeah. love her. But uh, I don't I think it was miscast, honestly. Like the, the Shorshi Ronson was up for it. I would have liked her. I would have liked her as well, but uh the her masking her British accent's very noticeable. Absolutely. She has um, a very heavy accent. A very and he- and it's and it's distracting. Um I love Sophie Turner as well. I don't think it was the best casting decision in the world. Um but I'm sure a lot of Game of Thrones fans went to see it because she was. I did. I was really, you know, she was awesome. And, and then I guess the movie ends with them going to, to Cairo, Egypt to fight apocalypse and, uh, all the horsemen turned against them. I really liked Psylocke. Psylocke did not turn against him. She ran away like a pussy. I mean, I, I, I honestly was surprised because Psylocke came out, um, and slit his throat, and I'm like, wait, I don't remember this happening. Oh, yeah. And uh, it actually turned out to be Mystique. And talking about Mystique, when Mystique went to Caliban to get a passport for for Nightcrawler, again, in a underground place where, you know, mutants are around, she is still Raven. I don't understand the fact that, ugh, that really bugs me so much. So they do like a, 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 a well, Psych... Psylocke's fighting scene with Beast was awesome, but they fucked up her power set in the sense of Psylocke never uses a whip. So this psychic Wonder Woman shit, <laughs> that 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 psionic blade, that yeah. is very accurate. And uh, in addition to to Deadpool, I feel like that is one of the most comic book accurate costumes in the X Men. Uh, movie franchise for Fox, which I was really, really impressed. But at the end, everyone turns their back or all uh, three of the two of the four horsemen like us turn their backs <laughs> on on Apocalypse. Uh, Magneto just decides to uh, go ham on him when he sees that he chokes Mystique and she faints uh, and just starts throwing every piece of metal that is around him at Apocalypse. Cyclops uses his optic beam and it's like this double power set and then um, the Phoenix. Sophie runs out and you hear Xavier go, let go, let go, let go of your power and she let go and you see a glimpse of the P- of the oh, Phoenix. Oh. Oh. That's a different movie. That was a different movie. The XXX Men. <laughs> of the Phoenix and then you see Apocalypse saying all is reveal in that case or that meaning when he says that is because since his ideology is survival of the fittest, he realized that he isn't the apocalypse that all the stuff that you saw in Sophie's or in Jean Grey's dream in the beginning was Mm -hmm. her, that he's just a revelation. He's not the apocalypse and all is revealed and that's it. And boom, blah, blah, blah. Everything is, is good. And the movie ends there. Yeah, the next one takes place ninety three. In ninety three. All right, I'm I'm looking forward to rewatching uh, Dark Phoenix. I remember liking it a lot more than Apocalypse. I was entertained as hell with Apocalypse, um, but it was just too long, and there yeah. was they 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 were trying to fit way 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 too much into it. Yeah, I agree too. So, out of a one through five, what do you what do you give this? Uh, 3.4 I'll give it a 3.4 as well I mean good good movie I guess it's entertaining anything above above a 3 for me is, is at, at the very least entertaining um, but I will you know I will always state my complaints <laughs> yeah so what are the DVDs and movies that are out today oh well, not out today or out this week out this week uh, the new DVDs and or movies on Blu-ray and or DVD. The Hunt is out, which I want to see. Uh, the The complete 12th season of Doctor Who is out. The final season of Modern Family is out. Uh, the Outback movie is out. And Think Like a Dog is out. Looking forward to finding out what some of those are. Uh, new music coming out. Uh, Nora Jones has I a new movie her. coming out. 
um, excuse me, has a new album coming out. Oh, called is that, she's an actress now? Pick Me Off the Floor. Uh, Codaline has a new album called One Day at a Time. Um, and the Aces have a new album called Under My Influence. In- influence, excuse me. All right, cool. And uh, the Six Degrees of Separation. Uh, yes, it's Olivia Munn and uh, Denzel Washington. Okay, so let's see if you listeners can can beat me. I'm sure you've been thinking about it the whole time like me or something. Uh, Denzel Washington was in Fences with Viola Davis. Viola Davis uh, appeared in The Help with... Uh, oh my gosh, the actress's name. Jessica Chastain. Jessica Chastain. Jessica Chastain was in X-Men Apocalypse with James McAvoy, who was in... I mean, excuse me, was in... Jessica Chastain was in Dark Phoenix with yes. James McAvoy, who was in Apocalypse with Olivia Munn, who um, disappears, who, who, who walks away all menacing, and you're thinking, oh, she's going to be back with vengeance. Well, in that case, we got to give the benefit of the doubt to her because they were trying to set up X-Force, and this was before oh. the Fox Disney acquisition. And, and the, the cut scene, or the, not the cut scene, the post-credit scene was also setting up X-Force? Yes. Because yes. I didn't know what the fuck that was yes, about. Yes, correct. So uh, who, who would have been in X-Force? Deadpool? Deadpool, the guy from... Um, uh, Shadow Star, Shatterstar, who was in Deadpool know, too, the all Shadow, white yes, guy. Yes, yes, yes. Psylocke, uh, and this other mercenary dude. That would have been really cool. I mean, since Deadpool is still going to go on to the Disney for more movies, maybe they'll they'll decide to do a spinoff once they finish the Deadpool trilogy. Yep, I'd and- be down for that. And our fact of the week is uh, Cody Smith McPhee, who plays Nightcrawler in Apocalypse, originally tried out as young Logan for the Wolverine X-Men Origin movie. Okay. Uh, but didn't get it because of scheduling conflict to do the road with Viggo Mortensen and that role, uh, the Went young Logan, Savan, Savan. who is now a very uh, well-respected singer. And that is your fact of the week, and you can do whatever you want with it because it's not mine. It belongs to Vigo Morens, and he ruins everything. Okay, well, we got to say goodbye because we got some training to do over at the Danger Room. We what? Yep, we're glad you guys stopped by to have a listen. Uh, please, 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 please subscribe to our podcast. See that little button at the bottom of your your listening podcast thing? Hit that. And follow us on Instagram at PressPlayAR. That's PressPlayAR on Instagram. This has been another awesome episode of Press Play with Augie and Riz. I'm Augie. Hey, I'm Riz. Gracias por escuchar. Okay.